Podcasting from the doing the most capital of the world. By way of New York, New York, via the internet. This is Bagels and Plantains, a podcast by, for, and showcasing every day, round the way, but always dope as fuck, multifaceted people of color doing the damn thing and doing it well. Every week, we and our guests will be sharing the blueprint and the stories that explore the intersectionality of being black, brown, bothered, and unbothered while thriving and navigating their passions, spaces, and communities. I'm your host, Deidre Idehan. And I am your host, Christina Torres. And here we go. All right, so we are here for part two with Maya Millet. <laughs> and we want to talk about your transition not only from, you know, from your days as a college student at DePaul. Oh, yeah, I don't even in think In Chicago. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. To becoming an independent writer, editor, producer, storyteller. And then pivot to how I actually was introduced to you via Instagram and the race woman Instagram. So tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about that. How did that start? Yeah. So race women, the idea for race women or for, for, for studying these, these women. So it came to me when I was working on a project and I was researching black history kind of at the turn of the 20th century and W.E.B. Du Bois had created a set of charts, these like beautiful hand-drawn charts for the 1900 Paris Exposition that detailed basically Black progress since in the 30s or some odd years since slavery had ended. And so I was doing a lot of digging into, you know, what you know, what was going on, and who was talking, who what what idea you know who was kind of putting out their ideas, and and especially kind of around the development of this of this exposition in Paris, and whenever I was doing reading articles, I would always you know so that obviously like the centerpiece would be Du Bois, but all of these women just kept cropping up in my research, women that I had never really encountered before, who I did not know about, but they kept showing up. They were giving lectures at the same spaces where Du Bois and Frederick Douglass were doing lectures. They were publishing in the same journals, in the same newspapers. And they were talking about not just kind of you know, Black progress during this time, but specifically focusing on women's rights, Black women's, and specifically Black women's rights. Mm. And I was like, what? How How did I not know these women existed? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just one or two or three or ten. There were, as I learned, like there was just an entire generation of women who I did not, I personally did not know about until, you know, I had stumbled upon this like a couple of years ago. And I was pissed. I was so upset. I was like, I just don't understand how this could have happened. And the more I learned, the more I felt compelled to keep digging and keep researching into the lives of of these women and also then I felt compelled to want to 
share them. And so that's kind of how Race Women was was born, which is specifically dedicated to honoring our earliest Black feminist foremothers. So women like Anna Julia Cooper and Frances Ellen Watkins Harper. And, you know, in addition to like, you know, obviously Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman and Ida B. Wells, who we know, mm-hmm. these these women we know, they were supported in their work and in the cause with a whole generation of other women who were doing the same thing. So yeah, that's how, that's how it, that was the, the origin of the, the idea just coming across it through this project. And I think it's so interesting that you said that you didn't know who these women were. And as someone who has spent a significant portion of your career digging through archives and you were at Johnson's Publishing, so you got to see a lot of those photographs and those hidden images that might not be available to the public, that even you were surprised at not only the impact that these women had, but the number of women whose stories weren't heard. And if you think about the women you mentioned, Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, Ida B. Wells, when you compare those women's stories to people like Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr., W.E.B. Du Bois, you also don't hear as much about those women. So you can only imagine how much we're not hearing about the women who weren't even mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are the interesting thing nuggets that you kind of found about some of the women that you were researching? Well, I mean, so even before that, like when you talked about like me kind of having a background in in doing like you know doing a lot of research and being surprised that I didn't know about them. At first I thought it was just me. I was yeah. and I was like, okay, maybe I just didn't I wasn't exposed to the to the books. I didn't have classes that introduced me to them. And so then I started kind of doing little you know, sending out little messages to other people. I asked my parents even. I asked friends. I asked like aunts and, and, and uncles. And these people, they, they were just not on their radar. And yeah. so I was like, oh, it's not just me. And that's not to say like, I, you know, they are, a lot of them have been discussed and studied in certain circles, in certain academic circles. There are a lot of like badass academics, historians who have been committed to this work for decades. But for a lot of reasons, that work and that awareness has not made it into the mainstream. Mm -hmm. It hasn't become part of common knowledge. But yeah, so, so I was completely surprised when I learned things like the fact that a woman named Maria Stewart, who was active in the mid-1830s, was the first, it was the first woman to stand in front of a mixed gender crowd, stand in a public space and, and talk about, you know, these issues, talk about Black freedom and not even just talk about Black Black freedom and what freedom looked like for us as Black folks, but specifically focus on Black women's rights and how it was important to educate us and use this kind of platform to to make a point about about us. And I was like, she's, and she was doing it alone. Like there were no other people. I mean, 
obviously there were other people. She was the first one who was documented that we know about, who someone had cared to to document that this thing happened. Mm-hmm. And who knows who else? Yeah, that's the first thing I thought. Like, think about the four or six women who have made it to exactly. like, the history even like in some weird line or sentence, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there she goes. But like nothing else, nothing more than a sentence. Think about all the women who were like involved. Or before that And that person happens not only in the 1830s. Like you think about right. the Black Panther movement. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're there. Every time I watch a documentary, it's like, sometimes it's like predominantly a lot of black women speaking. And I'm like, well, where were they? Where right. are they in these books? Yeah, right. where are where? Hello, yeah. Like we're just gonna like pretend like they was just chilling, like right, reaping the ben- reaping the benefits of this move. Like, come on, these people were the ones who were moving this thing, right? Mm-hmm. And you think about the sacrifice in 1830 that she was no, making a, not for this herself. Is a scary time, but that's a scary to time. stand in front yeah. of a mixed gendered crowd. I mean, just to stand in front of a public crowd at right. that point, kind of demanding and vocalizing her thoughts about what she needed and what. We need it. We need it. Yeah. Is astounding. Yes. Well, and her, the consequences of those actions mm-hmm. was that she, she only had a very small number of public lectures. So she, I think it was three or four total mm-hmm. between 1831 and 1833. And after the last one, she was like, I'm out. I'm done. Y'all have made this very difficult for me. Clearly, you don't want to hear what I have to say. And she stopped. She stopped public speaking. And she published a few, a few books during that time and, you know, saw those in circulation. There was one that went out of print. And a few months before she died in 1879, and she hadn't seen her book in, in four, over 40 years, she found enough money to to get it reprinted and got it reprinted and then died a few months later. Wow. And so, and that to me is a a clear kind of testament to, and, and you see this a lot with, with women during this time of wanting to be remembered and wanting to have something concrete out into the world to let people know that they were there, that they were there, that they, and not for selfish reasons, but just so future generations could know yeah. that that they were cared for and they were advocated for. Yeah. yeah. So and it I, just makes me think how much more though, like it's so funny how just history works and whoever documents it is who the one who like mm-hmm. keeps it going. It just makes me think that we were just, just constantly lied to. Like this is more commonplace than it could have possibly like this that could have happened a lot more mm-hmm. but we just it just wasn't documented yeah no one gave a fuck right mm-hmm. or they knew it would mean something I, and I so it wasn't yeah. documented like I, there could have just been like these 10 people this there's probably hundreds of women speaking up but they're like well no one needs to know about that right well no but think about if we you think about just, what you can't see yeah think about history it's whoever writes history controls right. the narrative right exactly so kudos to whoever this person was who decided to, oh, this is interesting, write down this woman's yeah. name write and document shit. it because if not, she would have been lost. Well, she... She, she was smart enough to... Well, she, she yeah, she memorialized herself. She, yes. But... Yeah, she did. And she even... So the, the guy, William Garrison, who published her for the first time, 
she went to his office and was like, what's up? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, nah. <laughs> well, he, and he was an abolitionist. He was right. like down with the cause and I think was impressed by her. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it wasn't just him discovering her and, and then, you know, and it getting documented that way. Like she made sure. She was like, yeah. Hey. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing this. But yeah, whenever I hear about or read about like firsts, I always am thinking about the hundreds of or tens or just other people who were who were doing that simultaneously or before that for for one reason or another, we did not, we just, you know, we didn't, we didn't care to to document and and make make real for in history. And yeah, with with our with black women's legacies, like when you when you there's so much, you know, there's a reason why the women during this time who were who were writing, we don't have their papers. We don't have their articles. We don't have their photos. We don't have records of their lives like we do of men. And it's because that and it's not even it's because of racism mm-hmm. it's because they were not thought to have anything worth keeping mm-hmm. and so and that's why i have so much kind of like the historians a lot of these women historians who took the time to before well before the internet <laughs> well <laughs> to really like do the on the ground leg work of tracking down these women's papers, like tracking down their writings, like doing that detective work that I, you know, am am doing that I don't have to do as much now because of the work that they did. But all like, you know, for for the purpose of restoring the history, our history, our legacy. Like it's it's so it's so important and it's so important and we were and you see how just how much like how real that racist disregard is when you look at the the scarcity mm-hmm. of of the record of us being in these spaces it makes it like even more real and i think that is also what, like pissed me off too yeah yeah so yeah i think what we've <laughs> we've even seen in launching this podcast and the podcast that we've mentioned in our from our last season's episodes as seen seeing white sorry seeing white. is that it can be very easy to think of this as like oh it was just a miss or an <laughs> oversight oversight yeah an over- but at some point you have to realize this was a very intentional move mm-hmm. by people who had a significant amount of power to minimize the stories and the histories of the people that they didn't want to receive empowerment or receive hope or visions of a better tomorrow. And so you have to think about the people who had significant risks in just writing this history down and then making sure this history lived on and making sure someone thought it was important before they passed on so that we can be the people who reap the benefits of a crucial part of American history. Right. Oh, yeah, 
I was just listening, finally listening to, remember when we were doing the PRX thing? Mm -hmm. I just finally listened to, it's a fictional podcast, but it's about these two Puerto Rican twins who go back in time to like, I guess, help tell the story of Puerto Rico and like the people who have made like all these strides and have like, basically like there is no Puerto Rican history. It's not well known. People don't really like, it's there, but you've got to do some digging. Like you've got to do some educating on your own. I don't know anything, honestly. Except for like the stuff when you walk around, you read it on the buildings or like commonplace, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Christopher Columbus stuff or like things like that. But there was one, they only did one episode or actually one storyline. They did four episodes. And so it's kind of cute. So they go back in time and he is a, he was in World War II and he's like a cousin and he got sucked into this like time warp thing. And so he didn't make it out. And so they have to go back and they have to pick up artifacts. And there was one particular story about they were brother and sister. I want to say it's 1865 mm-hmm. in Puerto Rico, both freed slaves because in Spain they had whatever. Everybody With Spain, had they stopped sla- <laughs> slavery. So in their mm-hmm. colonies, right. they stopped mm-hmm. slavery. And so they were these two freed black siblings and they created the public school system mm. in Puerto Rico. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you think and about it. And actually his sister was the one who started it. But you know who got credit? Her brother. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, they were like, eh. Could you really have a woman mm. being the foremother of an entire school system? Both that died in destitute. In because they had country? to, they both had to fund this on their own. Well, of right? course. It yeah. was after many attempts, like she would send letters to you know, these public, like not these publications to like the governor or whatever mm-hmm. the hell, whoever was there, There's, they were still colonized. And so, and they would just not heed her request. So she would just bombard them and bombard them and bombard. And she had a woman's school. So he had like the boy's school. Mm-hmm. He had created a boy's school, but she had created the, the, fe- the woman's school first. Mm-hmm. But also and think so, about that. Yeah. And they were like, no, no one cares. Think about, about how hard woman, it is. About your little girl school. For right. girls <laughs> to get a good education globally yeah. in this day and age. So can you imagine in the 1800s, like what she had to do to inform little girls who should be at home helping the family because that's what children did at that time. Yeah, you weren't right. going to like get your own path and create a career. You were there to support the family until you got married and then created your own family. And then support your husband. Yeah, right. the family you so, make with your husband. Exactly. Yeah. So it was just a, a cycle of... Familial work. Right, right. Important work, but familial work. So something like learning to read, learning to write, learning to arithmetic, that wasn't really a priority. No, you know, no, your husband will take care of you. But I thought that was so, it just like, it, you just like start connecting the dots, right? Because mm-hmm. there's so many, this is like a trend in Puerto Rican, I don't know, culture. Like a lot of, and, and up until like maybe 50s, 60s, even the 70s, like my grandfather can't read. Mm-hmm. But my grandma can. <laughs> and well, English and Spanish. So it was the women with the education. Mm-hmm. But they were like, nah, take a seat. Why don't you do this stuff? Don't stress yourself with this little lady. <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, oh, that makes so much more sense why, like, the women seem to be the more educated in our culture. But it's still like this machismo mm-hmm. that's been going down. And it's just like, interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you don't know how deep. Sometimes you're just like, like you said, you don't know. You just think it's, oh, it's just me. I guess it's just my little bubble. 
And this is the mess we're in here. <laughs> yeah. But no, we're going back hundreds of years. And it's also right. interesting when you think about it. There's a phrase that those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the cyclical Psh. nature of history. Right. Psh. Right. So now if you're not being taught history or strategically not being taught history, then you don't actually know where your forefathers and mothers have been. So then you're always starting at zero. Mm-hmm. You have no knowledge, right? And think about how many people of color, how many non-white countries have been doing that for centuries. Yeah. I think that's really why race women is so important. Not only because, you know, I think we're experiencing a second wave of black power movement. I think no one's actually said this. I'm saying this because I feel like this is a new re-empowerment of blackness and individuality currently. Yeah. So I think it's really important for people to say, you know what, this isn't new. This isn't something that also happened in the 80s and might have happened in the, in the 70s and might have happened before. No, this is something that we should be reaching out and learning our history to then say, no, I know I'm important. I know that I'm smart. I know that I deserve to be here. I know that I'm not an imposter because look at what my, look at where I came from. Look at the sacrifices that were made for me to be here. Right. So you can't tell me that I don't belong. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and this is, this is ours. This history belongs to us. They are, it's, it's, we are entitled to this information. Mm -hmm. It's our responsibility to learn this information and to pass it on so that, because that's, you know, the other thing I I think about too with, with history is, you know, obviously the, the decisions that people make at a certain time the kinds of decisions that people make around what we choose to, how we choose to shape these narratives, then, you know, it affects, it affects generation after generation after generation so that, you know, we don't even know, like, I think you were saying this, we don't even know what we don't know. No, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) So if, if the more we can collectively change those narratives and then keep passing those expanded narratives forward, like then we will hopefully get to the point where we are having an actual, a fuller picture of how things are, were, you know, can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, and it's, it's crazy because it's not like, like all of this stuff is there. All the information is there. I went to the New York Public Library. I went to the Schomburg, mm-hmm. like, Sometimes I was just Googling, like, <laughs> shout oh, out to the Schomburg in Harlem. It's uh, right there. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, oh, easy. oh, okay. Oh, you mean all I had to do was know what words to type in? Oh, yes. Yes. All I needed to, to, to do was know where to look? Mm-hmm. Like, that's huge. I always think it's going to be like some Indiana Jones shit. <laughs> like finding like, there's like an alligator pit yeah like just swinging uh, pendulum of death yeah, like, <laughs> right how do I get to this piece of information and he's like oh right it's right there yeah. you know like running down a crumbling staircase or right anything. right no. no you just got to like you said you just have to A know it's there and B know how to look mm-hmm. and I just feel like when you don't have at least one protection I just feel like the intersectionality of women of color has made it so that we could we could fight the fight without any cloudiness. Like, no, mm-hmm. shit is real. 
Okay. White woman. (laughs) (laughs) Shit is real. Oh, now you can't get your abortions? Because I find it very Mm -hmm. funny right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is such an issue. Because it's not women of color running to Planned Parenthood to go get abortions. Who's affording these abortions that we're so worried about? Mm, also true. Who, who's, who can afford these abortions? Also true. I mean, like, you know, you know, if you got some, you sign up for that emergency Medicaid, maybe you might get through. Maybe. But who is so... <laughs> maybe. Right. Uh, maybe. maybe. No, it, it, it's, you know, maybe it's pro-life. Maybe it's eugenics. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is that it's just so funny. Like, oh, you want us to save y'all now? Now even I mean to think of let's think about historically like I said like the history is like so our, cyclical. Our reproductive rights have been under have been waged on. Let's n- let's not even go down the medical route. Let's not even talk about Puerto St- Puerto Rico sterilization. Right. Let's not even yeah. go there. <laughs> Syphilis. Mm-hmm. I mean that's what that's why I think it's so important that we have to acknowledge and be aware of our history because then you won't be surprised if like what. It's 2019 and we're talking about reproductive rights. We're talking about access to health care for minority communities. Uh, this ain't new. Right. <laughs> when have we not rebranded? Right. Right. Don't, exactly. Don't, don't let Barack Obama fool you. There's still things going up. Shout out to Barack for holding us down for eight years and being a pinnacle. But also, I hate when people throw that in my face. It became the the like, it became the rise of Obama? like, oh, like okay. it became the rise of post racial, and it's like whoa 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 whoa. Let's be real. Did, did Biden we, was still his vice president? Did we actually <laughs> did we actually move past race, or did you just hope that we move past? Because I'm mm-hmm. nothing's changed. They're like, listen, guys, we gave you this guy. No, <laughs> You're like, wait, no, I will not take your pittance. <laughs> I want more. <laughs> he's he's so legit. Chicago. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he's good. Well, yeah. We're past it now, right? Mm, yeah, right. And then, you know, but what happened to Obama throughout his presidency? Mm-hmm. Oh. What happened? What about all of the insane backlash that happened all throughout that just reeked of racismo? Yeah. <laughs> like, that was definitely... <laughs> Racismo. <laughs> definitely. I don't know if that's a word. It's one I, now. I it's just, a word now. I just, I felt it in my spirit. I was like, No, I liked it. I liked it. Racismo. Uh, it's raza. Listen. It's something. It's, you know how we <laughs> have... It's still raza. You know how we have Puerto Rican Spanish? Raza. We just made something up. We just made, yeah. It's <laughs> racismo. There you go. Ja. <laughs> no word. Don't at me. Yeah, right. right. It's Ugh. a New Yorican. <laughs> Done. It's a New Yorican dictionary now. But I mean, it's yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. And he's still an individual. Like to then, then to be like, but y'all had Obama. Okay, but Obama don't speak for all of Black people. And he did some. He did have some questionable policies, mm-hmm. and they weren't necessarily his policies. Those are the people who are like, if you want to stay president. A, this dude's your vice president. You mean sleepy mass incarceration McGee? Oh. This guy, <laughs> this is what you put me up there with? This yeah, guy I falls listen. asleep with all my speeches. <laughs> <laughs> he does not give a fuck about me. All That's right, funny. let's pretend we're besties. This is like, just do your homework. Like, just blindly, like, throwing someone on someone and then blindly, like, yeah, just like we say this all the time, just because your skin folk don't mean your kin folk. That's true. Like, do a little bit of homework. Too- just a little bit and don't just assume because I'm down I love me some Obama I got dressed up to vote for Obama I don't get dressed up for nothing I don't even get dressed up for the club I got dressed (laughs) up 
to go vote for that man. And they made him look, they ran him through the ringer. He came in there looking beautiful and moisturized. Mm-hmm. And he came out looking. Have you seen him recently? Uh, He's still looking moisturized. No, he came back. He came back. He he did. Yeah. He came back. Those pictures, when they were on their vacation <laughs> right after, it was over living all of their best lives. I was like, Michelle, where are you In that bathing suit, mm-hmm. in that hat, and her little cover I was up. like, you are so like, unbothered. Go ahead and live your best life, Black people. Go ahead. <laughs> and those daughters are gorgeous. Gorgeous, yes. But, yeah, it's just like, why are we trying? <laughs> Don't come at me with your one loss. <laughs> your one loss. Like, get over it. Don't get over it. But, like, oh, now. Now. Now's the time. I don't know. I'm not going to rant about it because then I get ignorant sometimes when I rant. And then you're like, that, you know, you're just talking in weird circles. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just very confused by it all. I was like, I thought no one else saw this coming. No. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so what's in, what, are you, what are your hopes for race women? I know you have the Instagram at race women. Right. Yes. At race underscore women. Wonderful. Follow. Mm-hmm. Definitely a lot of historical content there. Definitely yeah. a lot of beautiful blackness in sepia. Because, you know, 1800s. <laughs> yeah, so there 1800s. is a lot of sepia. I'm like, how do I get some variation? Because it's like black and white or sepia. sepia. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's basically it. Well, Technical it didn't show up yet. Technical yeah. it didn't happen. No. So. They're like, how can we brighten this up? I do have a really... have the right lighting. Right. I mean, I have a, a nice, beautiful, bright portrait of Ida B. Wells. But, like, I think she's the only pop of color, like, other, you know, that I have up there so anyway i'm sorry what was your what's your hope for the future yes i you know i hope that i can just continue to cultivate a community around around this work and you know i want to get to a point where people are contributing that it feels like a community space like you're you're submitting you know photos and stories from your own foremothers and your families. You know, I, w- I want it to feel like a growing conversation and a growing, thriving community. You know, I also want to at some point get to, I want to explore more because I'm, my dad's Panamanian, so I'm Afro-Latina. I want to do, I would like to have more of a global focus. And it's just about devoting. I have to like get, I need like to get all the money in the world so that I can just do this. Okay. And so anybody who is moved <laughs> by this story. Yeah. <laughs> My pay, her pay, what's her pay, right. her pay pal? <laughs> Venmo. Venmo. <laughs> Myamalette.com. You can contact me there. But yeah, so I can really just like dig into all of these spaces that I really want to just get more in depth and learn learn about because because there are infinite amount of of ways to grow and and like paths to discover yeah here I really feel that way and it's just about a matter of, of time and and resources yeah but I just want to and I hope too that I just Honestly, if if people just feel as this grows and people feel like they have expanded their awareness and learned about people, women and their stories that they've never learned before and and pass it on. I want these women to be part of our families, be part of our conversations, be 
feel intimately connected to us and close to us. And so my goal is to just continue to find ways to do that, to connect them with us. Yeah. And yeah, just keep evolving with that push, push in mind and in heart. Yeah. Okay. I have one, one question. Do you have a favorite woman that you've you've met and profiled or like they're all your children you love them all equally (laughs) there's gotta be one like you're a bad bitch (laughs) but they really are all bad bitches and I really I can't I can't have a favorite also like they I mean I just have so I have reverence for like I belong you know they like having a favorite feels like they're in my collection Like I'm, I'm just happy to have come in contact with them and discovered them, or or not discovered them. Well, me discovered them. Yes. Which one shocked you the most? Like, damn, you really did all that? Well, so Maria Stewart was like a huge was was huge for me because she was like vocal so early, and I mean, she was like she was militant. She was like, just so y'all white people know <laughs> that th- there will come a day. When you're going to get yours. Yeah. yeah. And the day of reckoning I is think near. You know that. For and real. That's why there's so much crazy shit going on. Yeah. So, like, take heed. <laughs> mm-hmm. One woman I, I just posted about a couple weeks ago, Callie House, who led the first mass like reparations movement, 300,000 members at its height. And she was. At the forefront, like leading this movement for reparations. And she was not an an academic, like she was not a middle class like woman. She was just about it. And those kinds of stories are replicated so often. I'm just like, I am in awe of all of them and so grateful. For all of them. And I think that they give something to me. All of them do in, in distinct ways. Mm-hmm. It's, it really is difficult to pick, to pick a favorite. It is. All right. That's cool. <laughs> you think we've lost that tenacity as a people? Mm-mm. Like you that know, 1830s? I'm going to get 300,000 people on this one, like collectively. I don't think. Do you I, think that's why these people and their fuckery keep... <laughs> Because, no, I was listening to Sean King, and he's like, they, we talk, but we don't organize as fast as the other side, where they organize, and they don't think. Like, we think before mm-hmm. we organize. And that's the, that's the issue, is that they organize way faster than they come up with a, I don't know, an agenda. They're just like, yeah. Wait, who, who's, yeah. who's they? Well, he was saying, like, the conservatives, the white conservatives, you know, whenever they go to, whenever they rally around things like this abortion or whatever like they could get they could get those signatures they're gonna get those people like yes we're gonna do it is it because we don't have the like no i think here's like we just we could all talk shit but i mean talking shit is not gonna get those people in those places to make those calls for us i feel like Mm -hmm. we organize really quick really quickly i mean we've seen from the riots that happened after the police shootings that after major events that occurred to the Black and Latino community. I think that we can organize. I think for us, it's often an issue of who we have in power, who can then carry that torch to places that normal organizers can't go to. 
So right. who are the organizations like the NAACP, the col- mm-hmm. the Colors of Change, those organizations who can then take those signatures on a petition or who can organize those individual rallies and events and then turn it into legislation. Right. So I think that's another thing. And I think even once we get to the place where we have someone who is pushing legislation, who is really going to bat for those issues, right? And who was saying, no, 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 we'll hear you next time we're in session or this is not important or we're just not going to rally around this because I don't believe in that. So I don't know if it's a situation of we don't have the tenacity. I think it's an easy excuse to say that we don't have the tenacity, that we don't have the urge or the motivation to organize. I think that there are a lot of structures that prevent actual change in the organization. Because like you said, we see communities of Oakland come out. We see Brooklyn come out. We see D.C. come out. We see Chicago come out whenever there's something that happens. Right. It's what happens next. Right. Well, yeah, because we don't have those representatives there. Like, okay, we can all pick it, but who's going to be that official? Right. Like, even when we think about some of the women who were so vocal and so courageous at their time, things didn't really change that much because, yes, I am one woman and I might have 300,000 people who are supporting us, but who is that person who needs to support that movement? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I think that's more of the issue. I think that we as people could be more active. I also think that there's this always this fine line between how courageous and outspoken can I be and how can I preserve my place in society and my job and how people view me so that I can continue to, you know, provide in whatever way that I have to for whatever family that I may have. Right. I just think it's a really complicated issue. Yeah. More so than, you know, we just don't have that fire anymore. No, the fire's there. Yeah. I think he's speaking more to like, we're all we're also so worried about having a black person on Supreme Court, black person in the presidency or a black person, you know, in Congress. But like those smaller roles. And that yeah. they were not there either. Yeah. So that it's hard to like have an amass mm-hmm. of organization because we don't even have people in like like treasury roles and like mm-hmm. your, or like on city council. Like they're not there either. Yeah. And I that's where of- that money and that support and all these little weird. I mean, that's where it starts. You start from the bottom and then you're there. It's not yeah. just like. Oh, not going to get that Congress seat. Moving but is on. that, I mean, but is that t- a lack of tenacity or just the lack of, like, we just need to. I think it's just a lack of ac- lack of access, lack of knowledge exactly. of that. Yeah. That's, that's, what I'm saying. Of, like, yeah. that's how right. this shit works. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree that. But he, that was like his point. Is that like. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because I think about Rosie Rios, who I don't know if she's our current treasurer, because I think her term is about to end. And she's the person who was the the advocate for putting Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill, which was supposed to happen in 2020. But now that we have a new regime, it's been pushed back because it's not important. So like we had a Latina woman this who was like, we need to do gets it. on money before this woman does. I don't mm-hmm. even know. But it's like, she, this is, we had this Latina woman who was like, <laughs> we need to have more representation. I think these are the people that we should put up. People voted. They chose Harriet Tubman. Everybody was excited. And now when it's time for it to actually launch, people are like, nah, that wasn't us. That right. was them. We got other things to deal with. So it's, it's <laughs> this. It's hard, y'all. We just got to keep fighting. That's <laughs> all we can do. Keep fighting. Keep mm-hmm. educating yourself. So I want to I want to we always do like a little bit of to lighten up the mood here. Like, to lighten up the mood. <laughs> yeah, this is mad random we've gotten real advocacy. Um, <laughs> it always gets there. That's fine. That's kind of, I like to dwell in that space. I like to do little fun things. I have a couple rapid fire questions. And oh. because you are a writer, Uh-oh. I wanted to have a couple things. So the first one is because we are bagels and plantains. If you were a food that would join us 
what would that food be? Okay. So if I, I would have to say, like, honestly, bagels are one of my favorite foods. Yes. So this is very, <laughs> like, y'all really did take, but it, it would have to be, could I do another bacon? Could I say, yeah. not, like, croissant? Yeah, you, it could <laughs> yeah. be bagels, plants, and croissants. Yeah. Right, I like that. Oh, you, I don't love a good that croissant, That would hit in, like, all the... Yeah, no, a little flaky, mm-hmm. buttery croissant. Mm. Yep. I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just ate a whole like cheese and pepperoni plate by myself. No, oh, yeah, no. We're, we're I mean, but career she, carbs culture. That's what we do. I've yep. left out the carbs. <laughs> carbs make noise. True, true. Okay. So what are you reading now? Yes. I am reading a lot of race women related books right now. Mm-hmm. I'm currently reading well, I'm reading Ida B. Wells' autobiography, Ooh. which is it like reads like a movie. I'm like turning pages, like what's gonna happen <laughs> next, and like oh no, this did she did not say that. That did not happen. <laughs> At like seriously, I look crazy on the train because my <laughs> eyes are getting really big. And it's funny because I've read excerpts of this book just obviously throughout the course of my my research, but. So I have like a good sense. I know like, I even like, I know what's coming sometimes, but just reading it all the way through. I'm telling you, this book is riveting. Like, okay. Crusade for Justice. Crusade for Justice. Nice. Read nice. it. Favorite place to be creative? Or like when you need inspiration, where do you go? I go to the Rose Reading Room at the Fifth Avenue New York Public Library. So the main library. Oh, the large one. The big one. It is my heaven. I love it there. Like the ceilings are huge. Have you guys ever been there? It's, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to laugh at me. You've never been to I've a... never been in the inside. Really? You got to go. It's like a museum. There's so it many is. random New York places as a, new, <laughs> as a native New Yorker I've just never been to. You got to like maneuver. You maneuver can, you around a lot, of, a lot of tourists who are taking all sorts of pictures. Flick, flick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot. But, okay, true. <laughs> I heard it's beautiful. It's fantastic. Yeah. But. It is beautiful. But that is that is my spot. It's quiet without being like so quiet where you feel like if you cough, you're disturbing the whole <laughs> space. And like, shh. Right. <laughs> I lost my page. <laughs> there's something about the high ceilings that I think makes me freeze up my brain mm. to... To think oh, more. That's nice. The yeah. Rose room. Yes. I'll have to check that out. I put my earbuds on with no sound on. I do that. Oh, I do that yeah. as a strange. I don't put anything nah, on. I do that as a, a diversionary tactic so people don't speak nope. to me. That's <laughs> good. I just put them on before I write. Nothing's happening. I do that. I have done that too. And I'm like, why? Do-? Just something I noticed. It wasn't something I did preemptively. Mm-hmm. Where I was just like, but there's nothing. <laughs> Two hours later, there's nothing on. No, it's sometimes it's therapeutic just to have them there. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. forget about them. We'll have the earpods. Yeah, I think there. maybe also they're just embedded. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Okay. All right. And the last thing is, if you want our listeners to know one thing about Maya, what is that one thing? Oh, okay. <laughs> like if <laughs> someone a- dug it up, let's say it's 100 years from now, and they were like, whoa. Oh, well, see, that's a lot of pressure. I thought it was like just like a fun we can, t- we can rate t- it in. No, bring it back. No, fun fact. Fun fact. Yeah. A fun fact. This is not the one thing. Okay. But this is a thing. Sure. Okay. Sure. So, and this is something that I've had to, to be, get comfortable sharing because oh, when shit. I was younger, I was like, 
I don't know. This is weird. It makes me weird. <laughs> People are going to be looking at me crazy. But in, in, in my ripe old maturity, 33-year-old maturity, I can say confidently, I do not like fruit. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Peter just fell out. <laughs> it's not my favorite. Okay. It's, it's since I was a kid, my like baby, my mom would try to give me fruit and I would spit it up. I did not like it. It's the texture thing. All of the fruit textures. I just can't do it. That is a very interesting thing. It is. It is. And Do you but, like vegetables? Yeah, I do. I will eat the shit out of a vegetable. Okay. Okay. I, I like okay. a carrot. I like a broccoli. I like a kale. I like a radish. <laughs> I, like a ra- I like a radish. That's so random. <laughs> like, nah, I don't, I don't do strawberries. She I don't like do strawberry, apples. Blueberry. Blue, blue. I need to. I feel like I should redo this with something very profound. No, nah, I like this. To, this is, connected bananas? to race women. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Not even a plantain, a cooked one, uh, fried maybe. Fried. I will do like like the, the savory, the, 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 the like the yeah. tostones. Exactly those, oh, but so not to be plantains. Mind blown. Yeah, what? it's yeah. I can't do it. Can't do it. So for bananas specifically, I blame my brother. Who I can't believe I'm going to be sharing this on this podcast, but he, when we were younger, would he would eat his banana and then put his hot banana breath <laughs> on my nose. I just, must say, like the smell of bananas, don't do it for me. Shout out to brothers ruining lives, ruining <laughs> lives. It's a my relationship with smell. potassium has never been the same. the same. So now you know if she has yeah. a potassium deficiency. You know it's your That's fault. That's how I feel about... <laughs> I do take multivitamins. Vegetables Good. that have beta carotene. I don't fucks with carrots like that. Really? Don't fucks with sweet potato like that. Oh. There's something about... Orange. Yo, there's something about the sweet vegetable thing I don't fucks with. I don't like it. It took me mad long to get to beets and then... Those don't even have beta carotene. Beets are not even sweet. The yellow ones, though? See, oh. Yo, I'll eat the it. Golden don't get me wrong. Beets, though? Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's just not my favorite. I'm Listen, but I can't even clearly. But it's just like, I'm not like, oh, great sweet potatoes. I'll eat it because I know it's good for me. What about like in a pie? Sweet potato pie? That's different because it tastes like pumpkin pie. That's funny because I actually don't like pumpkin pie. I don't really mess with pumpkins. I don't really mess with pumpkins. Or it like squash too. Yeah. Squash. I I think it's a texture thing though with squash though. It might be. Squash has especially butternut squash. (laughs) (laughs) Texture is just so gross. Yeah, it's that it's a lot for me. I can't do that. You'd have to cook the fuck out of a carrot for me to eat it. Like, you know, like you put it in a soup, you can't even tell that it's a carrot. Like it has oh, to be in some like super sancocho, like <laughs> so just like dipped in butter and grease. Sa- that. Song and yeah. Like just making no, so that no it, trace of carrot. No trace of carrot. <laughs> See, carrots are my thinking food. I love carrots. Like about the I crunch? will be yes. I love the crunch just of a carrot. Typing I can away see that. crunching. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I'll eat it because I know it's healthy. I'm an adult. You know, there's some things you learn that you just do shit you don't want to do. Like kale. I don't, don't mind kale. kale. It's one. Of, it's, I wouldn't reach for kale. Yeah. I would reach for spinach. It's dry. Before. You got to put a lot of oil. I would like reach for. I wouldn't in. reach for kale. That's not my first thing to reach have for. Have you had kale chips? I have no. A kale chip is fine. Also, like eating popcorn. I I would eat the popcorn. Like kale is not the thing I would go for. <laughs> right. Like I eat it because eat I know it's thing. good for me. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And that's a part of but being an adult. But if I had to choose, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. This this fruit thing is driving me. I love this fruit thing. I feel I like after everything heavy that we talked about. 
this is amazing. <laughs> we'll not have a fruit platter. No, I'm glad. I'm glad we chose the the charcuterie. The, yeah, I was not gonna pay ten dollars for a fruit salad at Starbucks. That was not gonna happen. Well, this yeah, I like the meats. I like the cheeses. It's just no. the fruits. No fruits. All right, no fruits. Well, thank you so much, Maya, for coming and joining us. This has been amazing. Thank you. So for you having can me. you can find Maya at mayamillet.com. You can also find race women at at race underscore women on Instagram. Shoot her a note. Send us some funds, you know. Yes. <laughs> Give us you some likes. Do it for the culture. Alive. Yep. Share and your foremothers for with me. Yeah. If you know someone, she's taking us global. So if you are yeah, if grandma you are in yeah. Brazil and you have people that you want to profile, let us know. If you are in France, because we know France has some interesting history of race relations. Yeah. Shout out to France and what they're trying to do. Calling all diaspora. Yeah. People Calling across all diaspora. The yeah. Diaspora. Yeah. Cool, cool. Let's do this. And you guys know where to find us at Bagels and Plantains. Every platform. Every platform. We everywhere. We, we in there. Latest. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Bagels and Plantains with your girls Deidre and Christina. If you like the flavor we're kicking in your ear and want to know more about upcoming guests, follow us on the gram at Bagels and Plantains. If you want to show us even more love, then don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or drop a little of that coin into the support bucket at our Patreon link below in our show notes so we can keep bringing you the latest and the greatest. Thank you again for tuning in.